Hi, this is Laura Adler, and today we'll be mapping water contamination on the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on how to use the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. Today on the 15-Minute Matrix, I've invited my good friend, Lara Adler, back to the mic. Lara is an environmental toxins expert and educator and a certified holistic health coach who teaches health coaches, nutritionists, and other holistic health practitioners how to eliminate the number one thing holding their clients back from the results they are seeking, the unaddressed link between chemicals and chronic health problems. She trains practitioners to become experts in everyday toxic exposures so they can improve client outcomes without spending hundreds of hours researching on their own. And as I said, she's also a dear friend and a repeat guest on the podcast. As someone who combines environmental health education and business consulting, helping thousands of health professionals in over 25 countries around the world elevate their skill set, get better results for their clients, and become sought-out leaders in the growing environmental health and detoxification fields, I asked Laura to come speak to us about water quality. Let's go get our feet wet and get this pool party started. Laura, welcome back to the 15-Minute Matrix. Thanks, Andrea. I'm happy to be here. I am excited to talk to you about a topic that comes up a lot in full body systems and in the functional nutrition lab community, and that topic is water contamination. So let's dive in and talk about what water contamination is. What is water contaminated with? Unfortunately, it's contaminated with hundreds and hundreds of substances of chemicals that are either industrial man-made chemicals or natural substances that, for example, uh, heavy metals or radioactive compounds or even fluoride, which can be present naturally. I think most of the time when we think of water safety or water contamination, we're thinking of biologicals, so bacteria and viruses that might transmit communicable diseases, which are absolutely an issue in many parts of the world here in the United States and in more developed countries, they are less of an issue. But the trade-off to the way that we deal with those biologics is that we have a lot more of these industrial and synthetic chemicals in our water. So it's really interesting because I recently watched a documentary where Bill Gates was trying to like solve the toilet problem <laughs> in the world by looking at how people dispose of waste across the world because people are drinking from water supplies where, like you said, there's a number of biologics and that's causing diseases that can be controlled. But what's happening here that is dangerous and where is it dangerous in our bodies? In the US, uh, the Environmental Protection Agency under the Safe Water Drinking Act is responsible for regulating approximately 91 chemicals that have quote unquote safety limits. And I can certainly talk about why I put those in quotes because that's not really what they are. So there's approximately 91 chemicals that are regulated, yet there's hundreds of other chemicals that are not regulated, which means they're 
permitted to be in the water legally at any amounts. And this includes the perfluorinated compounds that are making a lot of headlines right now, these PFAS chemicals, the nonstick chemicals and the use in firefighting foam. So they're contaminating drinking water for people around military bases, near airports, or near factories that are producing these chemicals. And so there's a lot of publicity around that particular compound. But we also have things like herbicides and pesticides. Mm. We have, uh, like I mentioned earlier, compounds like fluoride, which may be naturally occurring. Fluorine is an element naturally present in the Earth's And so there's some times that we can get fluoride exposure through there. It's also added to the drinking water in the form of a compound called fluorosicilic acid, which is actually an industrial waste byproduct, not the same chemical that's in toothpaste. We have lead, of course. Um, I just read uh, recently that Canada, for the Canadians that might be listening, has a really bad problem with lead contamination in the drinking water of millions of Canadians because they don't have a national system that regulates chemicals like that in drinking water like we have in the U.S. So it's really this wide range of industrial chemicals, naturally present compounds that might be harmful. And then we have all these both byproducts and what are known as emerging contaminants. So things like narcotics, pain medications, opioids, Hmm. estrogens from birth control, microplastics in the water. So there's like, you know, there's hundreds and hundreds of chemicals showing up in our drinking water that millions of Americans are drinking. In fact, 77 million Americans are drinking water that has violated the Safe Water Drinking Act because of excessive levels of contaminants. And those are just the regulated ones. So millions of Americans are drinking water that has low levels of contaminants in it. That's just the reality of it. How is this affecting us? You know, the answer there is, um, you know, we can look sort of more broadly at what the chemicals that are in the water are associated with. But as you know, you know, we also have to factor in what is happening with the individual. Where is their weak link? Is somebody dealing with a thyroid disease that perhaps fluoride exposure for that particular person or the chlorinated compounds that are used as disinfectants might affect that person differently than somebody who doesn't have that problem. But the effects of chemicals that are in our drinking water are everything from, you know, reduced cognition to reproductive issues, endocrine disruption, thyroid disruption, cancers, uh, neurodevelopmental issues. You know, when we have fluoride, we have things like, again, more neurodevelopmental issues, but also things like arthritis and hip fractures and bone cancers and on and on and on. It's so interesting for me to just think about how the organs of detoxification, if we think about the kidneys and the entire urinary system, which is so important for so many of our balancing regulators, you know, just pH balance and blood pressure and all these things that we rely on the kidneys to help us do detox all our water soluble toxins, then the water itself is including toxins. Just the concept that yes, there's these direct impacts that we could think about from the targeted chemicals themselves, but that we're just overloading the system more and more and more with the water. I've had this conversation recently is that we have, you know, our disinfection chemicals that are used, the chlorine and the chloramine, like they are there for the purpose of destroying biologics. 
right? Microbial activity in the water. And if we are consuming chlorinated water, we have to question what is the impact on our gut microbiome? That is so fundamental to all good health and is the root of a lot of chronic health issues is a disrupted gut microbiome. And if we're drinking a antimicrobial and antimicrobial uh, uh, substance in the form of chlorine or chloramine, what is that doing? Even topically on the skin, when we shower, those chlorines can you know, strip the fatty layer on our skin and can disrupt the skin microbiome. So there's myriad ways that these chemicals can affect us. And unfortunately, you know, the average person isn't going to know just by drinking their water that there's something wrong with it because most of these chemicals, with the exception of maybe chlorine or sulfur-based compounds, they don't really have a smell. And so the average person doesn't know that these things are even present. So, you know, it's we're kind of in this situation where, you know, we have to do research on our own to figure out what's happening and then take action to correct it. So let's go there. Let's go into action to correct it. I know a lot of clinicians want to know what to do about water and what to advise about water. The first thing I want to do before we talk about methodologies of addressing contaminants in our water is just to head over to the right side of the matrix, the skills section, and talk about hydration and determine what happens if we hear you and we're feeling fearful and yet we know we need to hydrate. How do you talk to the people that you train about the benefits of hydration in the face of these fearful facts? Right. So, you know, it's like vegetables and the fear of pesticides. But at the end of the day, we all need to eat vegetables regardless. And same with water. At the end of the day, we all need to drink water. Water is what helps flush our kidneys. It's part of what we need to facilitate the detox process. All of our tissues require hydration. And so just being dehydrated can in and of itself cause or contribute to a lot of different health issues. So there's no question that we need to be hydrated period. And if people are in a position where, you know, they may be practitioners are working with clients or patients that don't have the funds to go out and buy the biggest, most fancy high-tech water filter, at the end of the day, they still need to be directing them to, you know, spend $20 on a water filter, even if it's not the best one. And just to drink water, it's a non-negotiable for sure. Yeah, non-negotiable for sure. I agree 100%. And I want to get into the, maybe even like the tears or the steps you would take from the lowest hanging fruit of dealing with contaminated water and how we purify it to the best. Can you walk us through how you even consider a filter for water? Yes. So like so many things in the health space, we have to consider the unique situation for an individual person. So in the same way that we don't say, oh, CrossFit is the only way to work out and everybody has to do CrossFit because it worked for me, or, oh, I have to be vegan or keto or paleo because that is the one way to eat. We know that that's laughable because that's just not applicable. The same is true for water filtration. We can't say that there is this one fill in the blank 
brand that works for everyone. And the reason is that everyone's water is unique in the same way that everyone's physiology is unique. Everyone's water is unique. And there are so many different factors that determine what makes someone's water different from someone else's. Maybe they live near a golf course. Maybe they live in an agricultural area or inversely, they live in an industrial area or they live in an urban environment. The makeup of contaminants in their water is going to vary dramatically in those two situations. Then we have to consider, you know, what's the water infrastructure in our community? The American Society of Civil Engineers, which is the organization that grades the infrastructure of like our roads and our bridges, gives the water in the United States a D grade the water infrastructure a degrade because many of our water, the pipes that pipe water throughout our cities and our water treatment plants are all reaching or have surpassed the end of their useful life. So they're failing all at the same time and at a time when we have more contaminants. So, you know, there's lots of different things that determine why people have different contaminants in their water. And that's really the first place to start. We have to know what are we dealing with so that we know what specific actions to take or how to filter contaminants out. And the easiest way that people can do that or that practitioners can either do this on behalf of their clients or can encourage their clients to do this on their own is looking up the local water quality report. So every year your water municipality is legally required to produce a document that is outlining what is present in the water based on those 91 chemicals that are regulated. They don't have to report on unregulated chemicals and they won't because they're not testing for them. So it's a bare minimum starting point to get a snapshot of What's the lead level like in our drinking water? What is the level of fluoride or atrazine in Mm -hmm. our drinking water? So it's a good starting place to get a sense of what's happening. I'm wondering then what are our tactics to take? Is a Brita good enough as a first step? What's the top of the line? Should we be considering full house filters? What is the line you take on this? Yeah, so it's really based on the individual, what the individual can afford or based on their unique situation. So somebody who's a renter, they're not going to be able to have a whole house water system. So they're going to have to either have something like a Brita or something that is either a countertop filter or an under sink filter. So bottom line is that if you can, at the very least, filter your water with a Brita, a Brita will only remove a very small number of contaminants um, and it won't remove any of the harder uh, to address chemicals like, for example, fluoride or glyphosate or these PFAS chemicals or estrogenic compounds from birth control. A Brita is not going to do that, but it will reduce the amount of chlorine and it will reduce the amount of lead. And that's important. And if that's all people can afford, great, go do that and make sure that they change the filters frequently. Going along that sort of good, better, best spectrum, in the middle, we're going to be looking at, you know, multi-stage under-sink filters. And the reason I say multi-stage is because each one of those stages is likely going to contain different types of compounds or filter media that is designed to address very specific contaminants. And this is why we have to know what's in our water so we know which of those stages are going to be relevant for us. Right. So, you know, in Portland, Andrea, where you and I live, our city uses chlorine and ammonia. So we have chloramine in our drinking water, which is much harder to remove than chlorine. 
And so our water filters in this city should have, at a bare minimum, a catalytic carbon filter, which most carbon is not catalytic carbon. And that type of filter will be great at reducing chloramine, um, whereas regular activated charcoal will not. So we have to take these things into consideration. So a multi-stage undersink system is going to be the best bet. You know, those can come in between, you know, maybe two to upwards of five, six hundred dollars. And usually the replacement filters are like a hundred bucks a year. It's not a huge investment. Obviously, that's relative towards people's income. But ideally, if somebody's working with a functional or integrative practitioner, you know, they will understand the importance and the value of mill, make space in their budget for that. And then beyond that is a whole house system. And those can run, you know, anywhere from $1,000 to three or $4,000, depending on, you know, what's happening in the water. Do they need a water softener? Do they have well water? Like what are all the factors? But even with a whole house system, people also still need an under sink because the whole mm-hmm. house systems can't take out everything. They take out a lot of the big stuff, but the smaller stuff still does need to be filtered out at the sink. So people often don't know that and they go get a whole house filter and then they test their tap water at the sink and they're like, wait, why are there still chemicals in the water that I want to avoid? So usually they have to get both. So as we look at the matrix, Laura, is there anything else that you want to point out to practitioners, but anything else that just is glaring for you that you really want practitioners out there to know? Well, I think in addition to water coming in, I like to think about water coming out, which is mm. not necessarily about water that we're consuming per se, but sweating is a fantastic way to help at least reduce the amount of toxins in our body and that process of sweating, whether it's sauna or through exercise, um, is really important. And we want to remember that many of the toxins that we're exposed to do excrete through that pathway. In fact, some preferentially over things like um, urine. So um, that's the sort of the other side, the going outside of hydration in the body. And that obviously, if we're sweating to support detox, that we are, of course, rehydrating and including good minerals, in our water when we're doing that to restore minerals that are lost during sweating. So all things that fit into this puzzle. But, you know, I think that if people are, practitioners are working with their audience on optimizing nutrition and optimizing sleep and minimizing stress and helping them hopefully address the chemicals in their environment, that water is one of the key places that they start because, you know, we're drinking it every day, we're showering in it every day. Even your water quality report will have a warning for people that are immunocompromised or elderly. And how many people are immunocompromised? So many of us. And so if that's the case, addressing water is not a luxury item. It's a necessity. Laura, thanks for taking us on a deep dive into water contamination and joining us once again on the 15-Minute Matrix. Thank you. The 15-Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. The 15-Minute Matrix team includes music by my son, Gilbert Nakayama, and Carla Schaefer on sound production, along with Renee Hunt, Natalie Merrill, and Christine Shook. You can visit us and hear more episodes at 15minutematrix.com. And if you'd like to be notified each time there's a new podcast episode ready, 
please go to 15minutematrix.com forward slash notify. We'll just drop into your inbox with a really short reminder that a new episode is ready for you. Plus, we want to hear from you. We want to know how you enjoy the podcast, and we'd like to know who you'd like to hear on the podcast and what you'd like to see mapped on the 15-Minute Matrix. You can email us at ask at 15minutematrix.com.